Welcome to The Power of Stories, a podcast by women, about women, and for women. Their voices and their stories. I am Sharon Catherine D'Agostino, a passionate advocate for the empowerment of women and girls everywhere and the founder of SayItForward.org. And I'm Yodit Kifle-Smith, a creative dedicated to making sure the voices and stories of women are heard. I have the privilege of working with Sharon on SayItForward.org to do just that. In this podcast, you will meet courageous women from around the world whose unique path to empowerment will leave you encouraged and inspired. We're excited to have Cheryl Collins Isaac with us today, joining us from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania in the U.S. Cheryl is a Liberian-American writer who is a war survivor of the first Liberian Civil War. She writes stories that amplify the voices of marginalized women who are war survivors and who have experienced challenges and are trying to overcome them. Cheryl, we're excited to have you. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having me, Yodi, Sharon. I am so encouraged and inspired being here today. Cheryl, thank you for agreeing to talk with us today. You write about women who have overcome the hardships of war, and many of us cannot even imagine that. Would you tell us how your own story inspires your writing about other women's survival? I was um, born and raised in Liberia, West Africa. You probably know that um, Liberia has its roots in America. So it was the first African country that was American influenced or the only actually. After growing up, um, I went through a civil war during my formative years and found myself, I would say around nine, 10 years old in a shelter, a war shelter, separated from family. And one of the things that really encouraged me was books and my love for books and my love for reading. And when I look back now, I think that's one of the things I outlined because I don't think I recognized it then, but I was caught in the middle of extreme hunger, extreme poverty that It's indescribable in a shelter with thousands of people laying on the floor, fighting for our lives at a church that's known in a place in Liberia called Across the Breach. And that's when I realized the power of women to galvanize because I was without my parents, but there were women who were taking care of children and who were organizing four times a day um, community meals and a way of um, having a service so that people were kind of occupied, a way of making sure that we were all there and feeling safe, even though outside of us, bombs were falling, bazookas were um, being fired, AK-47s, you name it. And everything, the power for the entire country was shut down. So running water, um, electricity, through all of that, the power of books, being able to disappear into that is one of the reasons I was able to come here and being able to do that bridged my way to education. So I was in the middle of war when we had a ceasefire going to school, attending school in the middle. When my friends thought, what are we doing? There's no hope. We're all going to die anyway. Why are we, why are you even studying? Why are you even reading? That was my way to disappear. And so I think when I count something, that was one thing, one thing that remains with me is the power of books and 
I guess, which leads to the power of education. Were you reunited with your family? I was after six years. I was reunited with my family here in the U.S. In fact, that's how I came to the U.S. Um, after so many trials from both my father and mother trying to get me, my father was the one here in the U.S. by then um, with my sibling. So I was able to come. So that's another thing, again, the struggle of immigrants, you know, when people think it's just so easy or, you know, to come. I usually tell people it's not that easy, especially now when you're a West African immigrant. It's not that easy. So it took years and years to be able to come here. You mentioned that books became your way of escape. And I'm just... Just take us to those moments where you would escape in. What, what kind of stories did you escape into? I found any and everything. I tell you, one of the first things was we had old hymnals in the church. We would take those old hymnals and just read through them. I would read anything. We had um, the Bible. Um, we had copies and copies of the Bible. So I fell in love with the Psalms because they were poems to me. I know so many Psalms by uh, memory now because of that. And then there were books I would find around. I remember reading Heidi, especially. Um, and while she would be running in the mountains with you know, her animal friends, I would pretend that you know, I'm doing that somewhere. I would read books that talked about America and Europe and other parts of Africa. Chinua Achibi was so popular and common there. I would read it a lot and I would just find my own experiences in it. It was like I would um, disappear into my own makeup worlds. And I would always tell my friends, I'm going to America because America was the place I knew where my family was. Going to America, I'm preparing myself. I would read I would read aloud. I would enunciate words. I would um, start reading to the other kids. Other people found out that, well, she likes to read. And so they would line up the kids and they'd be like, you're the tutor. And because of that, the parents would bring me food and they're like, you know, here goes our kid's tutor. Make sure you take care of her. And so I <laughs> a way to survive through doing that. Cheryl, you are such an empowered woman now when you think of yourself as a girl in a shelter how did you find your strength then I think it's in never really looking at the present the present situation I was in was so dismal and there was some hope around because and that that's one thing I I cherish is that the women around always try to give hope in the form of singing and dancing and just saying there will be a way like, you know, this too shall pass, but it was always living beyond that present dreaming and then trying to figure out how to get there. So for me, um, I would get letters and I would write letters to my dad in the U S and I would receive letters from him and he would say, Oh, what are you reading now? And continue reading because reading is how you're going to get to school in the U S. So for me, that became a thing. Oh, I can't go to the U S until I can show that I've been in school and I have a transcript and I have this. So that was my goal. And I would read and then start studying, you know, when I had school and I would just study, study, study to get to the other side, because for me, that was how I reached to the next level. 
And so I always tell people, and that's what I would say helped me is not paying attention so much to what was happening now, but knowing, having hope that I needed to work towards that something. You come to America um, years later, I I would assume. Um, What was that journey like for you? I was right in the middle of New York City in Queens, New York. And there I was just caught in the middle of this hustle and bustle and hearing from my family, like, okay, this is how it is. You go to school and then you work. And so one of the first things I did um, in high school that really helped me, even to this day, I went to get community credit because I have been told, hey, this is one way you get in the community, but another way you also get to college. So some schools have courses designed around that where you get some credit work. I don't know if it's still being done, but where you would get credit for some of the community work you've done um, that will align with your high school credit, but then that could easily also transfer to recommendations for college. And I signed up to help, um, it's called intergenerational program, to help the elderly and shut in. And I was assigned to this woman, and I'll never forget her, Jewish woman in the middle of Forest Hills, Queens. She had um, been blinded because she was the victim of um, domestic abuse. And so half of her face was had acid and she couldn't see. And I would get her groceries, bring it to her apartment, and we would kind of stack the cupboards and she would talk to me. She would talk to me about the story of her family during the Holocaust. She was the first one that said trauma. I didn't know what it was or that I was experiencing it. And she was the first one that told me that. And she said she would help me. She would ask me to read books to her. And then she would just tell me, these are some of the things you need to do to get to the next level. You know, you want to practice speaking out loud communication skills. You want to read leadership books. You want to listen to advice from people who are not like you. And so I was helping her, but she helped me way more than I helped her. And that's one thing today I even take in the community work I do that you just never know who you're helping or what you will meet when you just give of yourself to volunteer work. Do you remember when you first shared your story out loud? You know, it took a while. And you know what's funny? I remember, so college, actually, no, high school. I would just simply tell people I'm from Liberia and they had no idea what was going on. And I would think, am I in the twilight zone? I just came from like, a, you know, I've literally been a year out of this mess and no one knows that it's happening. No one even knows. Not, it, it's, it's a feeling that is so hard to describe. And then three years later, I go to college and I would tell people I'm from Liberia. And by then my, you know, they could really hear it in my accent in certain words. Um, and so I'm in college and I would tell people and they go, oh yeah, like here, where's that? And I never really talked about that. And I think it wasn't until years later, I know specifically talking to my husband, I've been married now for 14 years. And I remember telling him in detail about it and breaking down. And after that, I think I started talking more about it because I wanted to be able to not only say that this is where I've come from, maybe 
knowing that this is my unique story, this is what makes me unique. I will always get into the middle of a room or talk to friends and they'll say, what's so different about you? And I didn't know how to take that. Why, why are you so, there, there's something different. What, what is it? And now I just lead with that because it's important for me, for others to understand what people have gone through and the history that has you know unfolded. So when you started sharing the story of what happened to you as a girl, did you find that helped you in some way? Or did you find that you were really doing it to help other people understand you? I think both, but I think most importantly, it helped me at first to just be able to vocalize it and, and, and to just say it and feel empowered by it because I don't think I was empowered by it. And that helped me. Uh, I didn't know how much that has shaped me um, until I saw it through perspective of others. But when I really started writing and talking about it and really going back to those places, it really took me to those moments. And it was hard. It was really difficult. Um, I'm thankful that I was able to go through a master program, um, fine arts program where people are centered to like help you and wrap their arms around you, support you through the literary endeavor, because it was, it was difficult because I hadn't realized that I compartmentalized. So, you know, I was looking at myself and thinking, oh, you know, the little girl who was Cheryl actually did what? I crashed thinking about that. And then when talking about it, reading stuff, you know, I, I realized that it was helping others. And then that also became empowering for me because, you know, regardless of what our story may be and how different or unique it is, there are some underlying areas that help other people. You mentioned the women who helped you and helped others uh, when you were a child in a war-torn area. And you write about women. Do you consider yourself a feminist? Yes. And how do you define feminist? I think someone who really just believes that women are equal, you know, that women hold an equal place in this world. Oftentimes, I think we box women in and um, we have all these conventional ways that we think, you know, women should be and act. And I rebel against most of those ways. I think that also as a Black woman is really important too for me, you know, to understand my power, my culture, my background, and to really be able to eliminate the women, the Black women, the African women who helped me growing up because what they did for that country that is often not heard of or spoken of was was big, was was powerful. They helped the next generation. It was because of them standing up, taking a place, organizing. And even at some point, if you've you know read up a little bit of Liberian history, they even helped bring peace to the country. And sometimes I think it's so crazy that I'm from that group of women and I love it. I love being a part of that history or being a part of that culture. Cheryl, this is, this is a question that we like to ask all of our guests. How can we all encourage other women and girls to confidently use their voice and claim their power? I think that if we can just, one, realize how important our voices are, 
And then we focus on what makes us different and what motivates us and what we desire in this world, then we could start there and really make a difference in our local communities, in our countries, in the world as a whole. But I think we need to first hone in on the fact that we are important. Our voices as women around the world are important. And we have to find what moves and motivates us and then just focus on that. Cheryl, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing parts of your story. Um, I've been so encouraged and inspired by just how empowered you are and how you're living your life to empower other people and other women and girls and your students. And so thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Power of Stories podcast. Cheryl, I add my sincere thanks as well. You made so many important points. And I love what you said about the importance of dreaming and then figuring out how to get there, because that is an inspiration for all of us. And I also appreciate your reminding us all about how important our voices are, every voice, because that is the whole reason for SayItForward.org to exist. So thank you. And thank you, Yodit. And thank you also to Lisa Dijavin, who is the co-producer and editor of the Power of Stories podcast. Cheryl, you inspire us. Thank you. I appreciate being able to share my voice today. Thank you to all the listeners. And um, I send you warm wishes. And to our listeners, we invite you to visit sayitforward.org, a place where you are welcome to share one or more stories about your unique path to empowerment. Or you can read the stories of other women and girls. This is Sharon Catherine D'Agostino. And Yodit Kifle-Smith. Signing off for now and hoping you'll join us for our next episode of the Power of Stories podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we do hope you'll give us a review and recommend the Power of Stories to a friend. And lastly, we want to remind you of the power of your story.